Hello everyone, my name is Oweit Asmao. Welcome to another episode of Two Ways to Skin a Cat, a show where we talk career experiences, entrepreneurship and investment. The main aim is to show that there's more than one way to be successful other than just climbing the corporate ladder. We are live on LinkedIn and YouTube and the show will be available on podcast by tomorrow morning. So don't forget to like, subscribe and click on that notification bell to get automatically notified when the next episode comes out. If you are joining us live, drop a one in the comments so that we know we're not talking to ourselves and drop a two in the comments if you're watching the recording. My guest for this week is Ilza Gopal, Chartered Accountant and CFO of Merck Southern Africa and Islands, a multinational container logistics group. Ilza, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Ways, and thank you for inviting me today to share my personal journey. And hopefully I can inspire aspiring finance professionals. And I think it's so important to share our journeys. We're all on a different journey. We're at all the different stages of our journey. And I think when we come together, we actually realize how similar we are. Um, and we can also draw from each other's experiences. So thank you for inviting me today, Ways. 100%. But anyway, let's, let's jump into the meat of it, straight into the question. Yes. Tell us your story. Where do you come from? And even outside of work, who is Ilza Gopal? Okay, cool. So I'm Ilza. I am from Cape Town, born and bred. Um, I'm an only child. Um, so I grew up in the southern suburbs. I actually was born, I was I started, I was basically raised in Lansdowne, and then I actually grew up for the most majority of my childhood years. We were stayed in Otri. Um, I went to St. Susie Girls High School and I had a passion for maths. And I always thought, you know, one day I'm gonna become a doctor because I like to help people. Uh, or I want to help people. Um, and then um, I've done a couple of work shadows and then I realized, oh, this is not for me. You know, I fainted a few times. I am not a fan of needles and blood. Um, so I said, this is not the right career for me. And I was, I was stumped, like, what am I going to do after I study, you know, after I finish high school? Um, and then during one of our guidance uh, periods at school, um, we had um, somebody from one of the big four join us and he explained you know, what it means to be a chartered accountant. And I didn't know what a chartered accountant was at that stage. And also, I didn't do accounting at school. So I, I was intrigued. And for me, at that stage, I used to watch The Apprentice. I don't know if anyone remembers that. The first the first one, Donald Trump. And I, I knew for watching that I want to be on The Apprentice. I, I, I have an entrepreneurial flair. I want to, you know, make business deals, be part of strategy. That's what piques my interest. And so what he said in the, in the session is, if you didn't do accounting at school, it's okay. You know, if you have a good maths grades, you can apply to university and study accounting. So I thought, why not? Let me pursue this. Because I know at the end of the day, you will also help people in the sense of you'll help them with the books, you know, help them advise them on how to strategize um, on their accounting and so forth. So I enrolled in Stellenbosch University. I actually got a bursary through them. And um, I was there for for four years. And actually, for those of you guys who don't know, Waze and I were in the same class. So uh, we go a long way back. <laughs> Giving away all the um, <laughs> So yeah, I studied a Bachelor of Accounting University. It wasn't the easiest because during my first year, I had to do the general accounting because I never done accounting at school. And then during the December holidays, I had to do the conversion um, exam to cross over to the, the finance or the CA um, finance stream. So that was quite hard. And I know when I wrote the exam, I, I felt I'd done pretty well because that holiday I studied for the conversion and then I wrote the exam and the day before we registered for year two, um, I went to go check the results and it was on the lecturer's door and it says I should make it. 
And to me, I was shocked because I really thought I had this in the bag. Any case, and I was like, oh, what am I going to do now? And then um, while I was in the registration line, I actually got a call from the lecturer saying, we just checked everyone's papers and we made a mistake with your paper. We only added in section A. You actually really passed your part. You done really well. So I was like, wow, it's amazing how one one little decision can change your, your path, you know? So yeah, I was like, this is meant to be. Let me do it. And yeah, I did my, um, my undergrad at Stellenbosch. I, I enjoyed it. And then I did my honors as well through Stellenbosch. Um, and yeah, it wasn't always easy because I, I, I mean, I was lucky to have a bursary. Um, but at the end of the day, I knew at the end of the, the back of my mind that I needed to pass because if I didn't pass, I had no fallback plan. You know, and I still had to repay the loan. So I was determined more than anything to pass. Um, yeah, and then, thank you know, um, yeah, I made it, made it through honors, and then I joined Price Waterhouse Coopers. So I was there for four years. So I was I done my articles to Price Waterhouse Coopers, and I was also lucky enough to do an international assignment. So I was privileged to actually go to um, Texas, Houston, Texas, for six months, and thereafter I went to Ohio and in uh, well, Cleveland in Ohio and that to me was so eye-opening you know when traveling experiencing the world while working was amazing and I would also recommend that anybody who has the opportunity to do so do it you will not regret it you learn about people you learn about different ways of doing things and also different cultures you know and I think that's just that's just the that's the true wealth in life in any case after after my four years at Pricewaterhouse I joined um, um, a local retailer and I enjoyed my time there. It really it was one of the one of the, the best um, yeah, one of the best experiences ever. I was involved in budgeting, group reporting. I loved it, you know. And it, it really those experiences actually um, it really set me forward for my career. You know, it set me up for my career. And then I joined Musk in twenty sixteen, and I've just loved it here as well. And um, yeah, I was a finance business partner initially. And yeah, and then in 2019, I became the area head of finance in Southern African islands. And I'm just loving it. I'm just loving everything I do. I get to work with people all the time, with numbers, um, different experts. And I just, I, it's, 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 I love it. So that's a bit of my career journey. Um, yeah, I hope that answers your question anyways. No, definitely. And maybe outside of work for the viewers, what, who are you outside of? So outside of work, I do the most important role. I'm a mom. So I have a, a two and a half year old daughter. Um, she's the love of our lives. Um, I'm married. My husband's also a chartered accountant. So we we are number crunchers at home. You know, we always check checking everything. You know, like there's a meme of this lady doing this like mathematical sum. That's us at home. <laughs> so yeah, I'm married to Sarishan. Um, he's also a chartered accountant. Have a two and a half year old daughter. I've got two little fur babies as well. And yeah, I love socializing. I love event planning. I love planning parties and so forth. It's one of my passions. Um, and spring time with my family, for sure. Okay. Um, that gives us a good, a, a good impression. You've actually answered one of my next questions, so I'm going to move on. I mean, you, you mentioned that you started at Maersk in as a finance business partner, which is kind of like middle management. And then you've transitioned from middle management to leadership or this executive position. How did you make that transition? Did you go to training? Did you have support? Talk us through that. Yeah, I think support, definitely. I had support along the way. Um, I think it's always, it helps if you have a curious mind, always asking questions. 
Um, I heard this phrase once that said, you know, whenever you don't want to ask a question because you're too shy, you actually rob somebody else of learning because it's most likely somebody else who also wants to understand how something works. So I think I always had a curious mind, um, always voiced my, my say, you know, always gave my opinions um, or my ideas. May not always be the best ideas, but at least I could voice my ideas and something could come of that. Um, but your support along the way and people who believed in me, that really makes a fundamental difference, you know. So I've had my family, my husband, who's my, my biggest supporter. Um, but also at work, I had some mentors as well who guided me as well, which 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 played, and played a huge role as well in my career and also believed in me. For the audience, yeah. we'll be respond responding to questions towards the end. So please add your questions to the comment section now so that we don't miss them. Ilza, I mean, I've, I've listened to a lot of, I've chatted to you, but then I know you're a massive proponent of diversity or focusing on diversity and inclusion at work. Talk to us about why or the background as to why this is your focus. Yeah, well, I guess many companies nowadays are focusing on ESG, right? And they want investors want to invest in companies where, you know, um, there's a big focus on ESG. And one of the components of ESG is D&I is D or DEI, should I say. And um, for me, well, one before I actually go into that, um, I heard a, a quote from Dr. Suraya Nair. She's a clinical psychologist who speciali specializes in diversity and inclusion in Cape Town. She, she said something which is quite powerful. She said that diversity is being invited to the table and inclusion is being allowed to eat from the table. And to me, I can feel that it's like it's powerful. You know, and if I can go a step further, like equity to me would mean adjusting the chair so that everyone can reach the table or adjusting the menu so that if there's, a, there's preference for everybody's food choice, you know. So I'm passionate about that, you know, and, and I, I firmly believe that DE, um, DEI is linked to engagement. So you need to have diverse teams that come up with different ideas, um, different ways of thinking. And I feel as humans, we all have unconscious bias. And it's about, you know, making sure that you are aware of your unconscious bias and that you always have somebody, you know, check in with you, you know, why not this or why not that? And that's, that's so healthy, you know? Um, so it's great to, the, the reason I'm passionate about it is um, it's inclusive. It's, um, it makes sure you have a, a, like a, a varied view of, of options or, or ideas. Um, yeah, and I think it's just the way forward. So, so I mean, you've talked about it in general, but how does it how does it affect your current leadership style? How does it affect? I think it's it's um, it gives you a broad view on how things are working if you have different perspectives. Because often, as people, I feel you always, you know, you always have your own view on how things should work or your own assumptions how things work. And I think having having working with diverse teams. You know, and diversity is, you know, you know, from different aspects. It can be age, it can be, yes, it can be race, it can be gender, it can be um, a whole, you know, a whole, it's, uh, there's so many facets to it. Um, and it always just gives you a different perspective. So I love that different perspective. And I think that's the way you move forward. You come up with new ideas, improve things. No, great. And, and I mean, chatting to you before, you also mentioned also very passionate about employee engagement it's something that you also focus mm. on give us a little bit more background on that yeah i feel that you know you can have all these objectives that you want to achieve but you can't achieve it if you don't have an engaged workforce 
Um, so it's about making sure that your staff are with you on the journey and your team is with you on the journey. And, you know, pre-COVID, um, you know, I think, well, first of all, the basis of engagement is trust and relationships. That's the basis of it. And it's psychological safety. And pre-COVID, you know, the time in between meetings or the time when you're walking to a meeting or you're making coffee, that's when you chat to people along the way. And that's when you create this relationship, you know. And during COVID, I mean, we didn't have that because we were back-to-back -back teams meetings. So there was no time to make a quick coffee and chat to somebody as to how was your weekend, you know. So it's about being intentional about it. And we're living in a hybrid world now where we, you know, half of the workforce is going back. Some of them are still virtual and sometimes no, no one's in the office at the same time. So it's about how do you maintain engagement in this, in this ambiguous world that we're living in. And it's about being intentional. It's about always checking with your staff, you know, checking in, what are you doing? Um, how was your weekend? What's for dinner tonight? I mean, that's my common question. What's for dinner? Um, I think nothing can next people like food, right? So um, just, yeah, just kind of, and also caring for people, that genuine, that genuine caring for people. I think that that definitely drives engagement and you'll see results when your team is engaged. And I mean, yeah, I mean, caring, I, I can't reiterate that, that more. You mentioned, I mean, you started, I mean, you, you did four or five years at PwC, four or five years again at Pick and Pay. You are now at, at the sixth, sixth year at Musk, so there's a little bit of a trend here. So my question to you is, what's next for you? So yeah, next, I mean, I'm doing what I'm doing. So um, yeah, you have to watch the space. But um, yeah, I, I'll still be in finance. And um, yeah, I, I, I really enjoy it. I'm currently on the commercial side, so I... It's, 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 it's customer facing, and I just love that side of the business. So, yeah, I'll be in the space. Watch the space. Okay. Everybody do that. And also, what I I'm want gonna... to say in, fi in finance, you actually you aren't limited to finance. You can always move to other work streams. That's a flexibility. And I think being a finance professional, you have the backbone of what is needed for processes, for uh, controls. And that is just like the, you know, the stepping stone, you know, for any, for any role. So, yeah. 100%. And if I can add to that, don't wait for someone to ask you whether if you are interested in a certain in a certain division, let people know that you're interested. Otherwise, nobody's going to figure, nobody's going to smile that you're interested if you don't talk about it. Exactly. 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 Put yourself out there. And this is the question I like to ask all my guests. What is one piece of advice you would give your younger self? I think I would tell my younger self um, to always be authentic. You know, um, and always, always, you know, raise your voice or, you know, speak, you know, don't be afraid to say things. Um, I think the younger version of myself was a bit timid and shy when it came to, oh, what do I know? You know, and the imposter syndrome comes up. But, you know, what, say it, you know, um, and what's the risk? The risk is you may not know and you will learn. Or the risk is maybe it'll be a silly question, but there's no such thing as a silly question. So I'll tell myself, be authentic. If you have questions, ask them. Do not be afraid. Nobody ever frowns on anybody asking a question. Um, yeah, and that's how I tell myself. No, that's great. Let's switch over to questions. See if there's anything, any questions coming through from the audience. We've got a question here. I'm not sure who the name is. It says, she's keen to get your view. Where do you see the role of a CFO moving towards or the foresight thinking of a chief value officer? Okay. Any question, but yeah. any thoughts? Any question. Well, for me, I feel the role of CFO is, is yes, it's about the numbers and the technical aspect, 
but it's more about people. So I feel a CFO is there to activate people and to engage people and to make sure you have the right people that are engaged. So the way I see a CFO, yes, a CVO, a chief value officer, you know, protecting the value of, the, of your company, but at the same time, making sure you protect your people because your people will take you on the journey. So yeah, being very people focused, stakeholder focused, because you have internal stakeholders, you have, ex you have your staff, you know, and just keeping them, keeping them, um, yeah, engaged. Hi. Hi, Ilza. And any, uh, those seem to be all the questions. Everybody seems to be enjoying it. But in the last few words from you, or anything we didn't discuss that you'd like the audience to know? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I think we've said it before, just being authentic, that is key. Um, I've heard a phrase um, and it says, you know, you could be the, the biggest, um, juiciest uh, plum, for example, but there'll always be someone that doesn't like plums. So why not just be yourself? You know, don't try and fit in the mold, be yourself. And that's part of being diverse, you know? So I think, when, yeah, bring yourself to the table always. And as people, you know, yeah, just, just be yourself, be authentic. I mean, that's, that's that, basically is, my Is that the advice you're going to leave us with today? I will leave you with that advice. And also, I also would say for those, for those people that have an opportunity to travel right, with work or travel, you know, in their own personal capacity, do so. I think you learn so much through traveling, to, through learning different people. And that also talks to diversity, diff different people, uh, different cultures. So just travel as much as you can. I think it's, it's one of the, the best things you could do for yourself. I couldn't agree more. Traveling opens the mind. I think that's a great Absolutely. way to the show has been live on YouTube and will be available on the podcast tomorrow morning. If you're watching on YouTube or listening on the podcast and you feel that it's added value, don't forget to like, subscribe, and click on that notification bell to get automatically notified when the next episode comes out. Lisa, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much, Ways. Thank you, everybody. and wish you all the best. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for another episode of Two Ways to Skin a Cat. Goodbye.